Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Thank you for listening to the late-breaking F1 podcast. Make sure to check out new episodes every Wednesday and every Sunday. Hello and a very warm welcome to the late-breaking F1 podcast presented by Harry Eid, Sam Sage and me, Ben Hocking, reviewing today the Belgian Grand Prix, the last race before the summer break. And of course, it was a race won by, say it with me, everyone, Max, Max Verstappen. Verstappen. That was beautifully synced. Um, yeah, Max Verstappen had to start from P6 didn't end up mattering a great deal. He still won by about 20 seconds or so with Sergio Perez joining him on the podium in second place, his first runner up since Miami and Charles Leclerc for Ferrari ending up on the podium uh, after two races without one for the Scuderia. Sam, I mean, you, you didn't join me yesterday. I missed you. Where, where were you? Yeah, sorry. I really got my timings wrong and I did forget that it was my significant other's birthday and I might have been busy for the whole day. Um, you know, so, oh dear, sorry about that, everyone. And of course, to not be put in the doghouse for life, I did actually have to do stuff on the day. Cool. Yeah. So F1 for the only time took a, a back step, but I will be here forevermore at your service and beck and call, Mr. Benjamin. And Harry's here. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> uh, I was in the, har- uh, in the harbour, a harbour. I was in <laughs> the, the only harbour. So, um, Yeah. The only harbour in the world. So sorry about that. But Ben did a great job, I'm sure, by having listened to it. I have listened. Not done. <laughs> I would I would not listen to it and just assume that I did. Sure. That that works for me. Um so yeah, Max Verstappen, pretty dominant victory for him. We'll be discussing that. Uh Williams not having a good day, finishing 14th and 17th. A bit more on those later on. Ferrari, as mentioned, securing a podium. So we'll be discussing their fortunes in the race. And on the flip side of that, McLaren not having a great day. We'll start with Max Verstappen winning by 20 seconds despite starting from P6. 
ended up needing to overtake Sergio Perez in order to do so, but did that about a third of the way into the Grand Prix and just managed things from there. He's breaking records left, right and centre. It's very difficult to keep up with it. I actually, out of curiosity, look back. Episode 237, that was the last time we reviewed a race that wasn't won by a Red Bull. Um, it's going pretty well, oh given we've just God. gone over 300. That's um, depressing as heck. Yeah, I was really intrigued to see <laughs> oh what that number God. would end up being. Oh. We've done like 65 episodes since someone other than Red Bull won a race. Um, Sam, what did you make of Max Verstappen's performance? Was there any surprise at all, the ease at which he managed to overtake his teammate in order to claim that victory? I mean, I was quite surprised he won. I did say he wouldn't. And what I say tends to come true. So, you know, was shocked to see that happen at the end of the race. Um, <laughs> what surprised me the most, actually, was, you know, I expected him to cut through the field. And I was quite impressed with how Sergio managed the first maybe 10 laps or so. I was like, hang on a minute. Verstappen's having a little bit of a struggle getting past Hamilton and Leclerc. And when I say struggle, it just took about two laps longer than I thought it did. But at that point, Leclerc had built out maybe a three or four second lead. And I thought, he's gaining. You know, Perez is slowly able to pull away here. By the time that Verstappen comes past, maybe it'd be seven or eight seconds. He's going to have, you know, maybe a good 10 lap period where Verstappen's going to have to hunt him down and maybe pit stops will come into it or the rain will come into it. And actually, this will be difficult for, for Verstappen. But... I looked at my phone at our Discord chat that we have going on. And at that point, he, Verstappen was three seconds behind in second place. I looked back up and he had somehow closed the gap to under one second. And I was literally like, have I lost time? Did I fall asleep? You know, what, what happened in that moment? for two seconds to disappear in that lead. The speed that he caught him was phenomenal. The ease in which he breezed past him was somewhat, you know, normal now it's somewhat expected you know it is the standard way of doing things and it's so it is so depressing I have no issue with Verstappen being this brilliant he is that good he deserves all the plaudits that he gets but I will love just an ounce of fight or you know difficulty from someone else you know put up a bit of a battle please for our entertainment's sake um yeah I mean it was well executed again despite the little wobble that he had despite despite GP sassing him all over this weekend, left, right and centre, which I must admit is fantastic to listen to. I hope it happens every weekend because I do enjoy it. Um, he breathes he breathes for that wing. It was another easy one. And to be honest, if that race was another 10 laps longer, then I think your bold prediction quite easily could have actually come true because he was well on track for another incredibly dominant victory. Um, it's, it's the norm now, isn't it? I want to give him all the plaudits for starting sixth and winning by over 20 seconds, but it's quite literally what he does every single day of his life at the moment. Harry, you have constantly praised Max Verstappen saying, and I quote, he's quite good at the F1. Mm, Were you one. at all surprised that he managed to get by with such ease? I guess it shouldn't really be surprising anymore, but it but it's the hope that gets you, isn't it? It's, it really gets you in the end. Um, <laughs> starting P6. I tell you what, I didn't realise, or, or I didn't see this coming, but Max Verstappen's biggest rival this year is, is GP. That's, mm. Sergio Perez can't put up a fight, but GP can. So he's the hero that we needed. Uh, so thanks, GP. Arguably, GP is the only person that cost Max Verstappen a point today because if he'd gone ahead like he probably wanted to <laughs> he'd have had the gap to go and take that pit stop and gain the fastest lap so only GP has cost him a point <laughs> see it's true Biggest um, 
yeah, it, it shouldn't be a surprise anymore. And I seem to remember being the same after Spa last year. I know it came from way further back, but it was just like inevitability of it all. Like I am inevitable. He is. Um, yeah, Thanos, Thanos. of everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Max Thanos. Um, so it, it, yeah, it shouldn't really be a surprise anymore. What, I, I was on Sam's wavelength. What, um, again, gave me a little bit of hope was that first stint where, as you say, he didn't breeze past Hamilton and, and Leclerc. And even when he did get past them, he he wasn't really massively closing on Paris. And I was like, oh, hello. Maybe we do have a race. And then they did their pit stops. And then he was like, nah, all like, of that. <laughs> <laughs> Not doing that yes. anymore. So, and I guess for Verstappen's sake, he was slightly worried about that incoming rain because if he's second in the queue behind Perez... Uh, and then need to box for intermediates, then he doesn't, he's going to be serviced second. So I'm assuming that was part of it. But yeah, for at least, I don't know how many laps they did in that first stint. stint. Um, you know, I thought maybe we had a race on our hands, but we shouldn't really be surprised that he, he just flew off onto the distance yet again. I really hope that one of these races, GP gets bored and just goes over team radio and says, right, Max, we've been given a 40-second time penalty. Not not because he's actually got one, but just to say it, that he's got a 40-second penalty because I would love to see the effort Verstappen would put in to actually get that 40 seconds, and I would not bet against him. I would not bet against him getting that gap if he needed to because, to your point, Harry and Sam, it seemed as if as soon as he needed to get into sixth gear, he did right as soon as he as soon as he needed to produce that little bit extra. He did so as you were saying the the first stint on soft tires. As soon as he got past um, both Hamilton and Leclerc, that gap was pretty stable around two and a half three seconds or so. No, it didn't really change much from there. Makes the pit stop. I was exactly the same as you, Sam. I was astounded as soon as I looked back at the um, timing table on the left hand side to see that suddenly Verstappen was in DRS range after a lap but what got me even more was the gap after he'd overtaken him because he, he overtook Perez into Lecom by the time they got to the start finish straight start their next laps there was 1.7 seconds between those two drivers he managed to overtake Perez and gain a 1.7 second advantage on the same lap that's just insane so no, I, I wasn't surprised. I I think there was a question mark in that first stint. Was Verstappen managing or, you know, waiting for the next stint? Um, or was that his true pace? And it certainly turned out to be the former. He did seem to be managing. Um, and yeah, he, he took a 20 second win. Could it have been 40 seconds? Probably. There's just an inevitability, as you mentioned, about this nowadays that, um, yeah, you just know, regardless of where he's coming from, he's going to take take victory. The only thing I would say is that Max Verstappen might be quite pleased that he got a five-place grid penalty and not a four-place grid penalty, because if he got a four-place grid penalty, which I appreciate isn't really a thing, he would have been in an Oscar Piastri situation. And I think we probably would be talking about a race that wasn't won by Max Verstappen because I don't think he'd have done anything different to how Piastri handled that first corner. But because he was put back one position more, he had the outside and, um, and managed the race from there. Should we... Um, oh, We've already mentioned this a bit. Should we review our bold predictions? Yeah. Oh, no. Right. 
So I said that Max Verstappen was going to win the race by 25 seconds and have the pit stop for the fastest lap. He did neither. Um, uh, it was a tall order even before the five place grid penalty, but he gave it a go. So gave I appreciate really that. Go, he really Verstappen. tried just for you. He really did. Speaking of not trying to get a bold prediction, right? Sam Verstappen didn't help you out much there. You said that he wasn't going to win the race. Yeah. I mean... If you caught it, not, he did. Not, not much more I can really say on the matter. It hasn't gone to plan. Not ideal. I enjoy that as, well, as well, the the fact that you've like teed it up like during the week beforehand. It wasn't like an on-the-spot bold yeah. prediction. Sam's been teeing this one up since like Wednesday. I went <laughs> on no, with... Monday, previous the, week. <laughs> The statistics must surely be on my side that now there must something must go wrong, there must be a failure, a crash, something has to happen. No, sorry, statistics don't don't care about me. I'm not the stat man for a reason. Yeah, remind me never to get a lesson off of you on statistics ever. Because <laughs> um, if it led to that conclusion, I don't know. Um, <laughs> speaking of bold predictions going well. <laughs> Harry, um, you said that a Williams was going to be in the top five. Alex Albon finished nine positions away from that and he was the lead of the two Williams. So that didn't go particularly well. You, I think you, I, I, and I listened back to this the other day, I think you guys might have misheard me because when I, when it sounds like Williams, I actually meant Aston Martin. Uh, oh. Yeah. No, in which not. case that's definitely not bold <laughs> enough. <laughs> yeah. Get in the bin. <laughs> okay, everyone. It's time to get your abacus out. Your Abakai, <laughs> because before this Abacusis. weekend, <laughs> we were on four points to myself, three points to Harry, one point to Sam. But after a pretty frantic weekend, we can now confirm that it is four points to me, three points to Harry, and Sam has gone from one point to one point. So uh, not a lot to change, does it? Nice. Good. Moving on. Driver of the day. If you got Harry, four. Um, Max Verstappen was pretty good, but Ooh. we we seem to give it to him every race now. Um, I'll go for someone else just for the sake of variety and all our sanity. Yuki Sonoda, little pocket rocket out there today was little Yuki. Um, well, didn't he? He did a lovely little race. So um, go for Yuki. He did finish tenth again, didn't he? Yeah, that's. He can't go any higher up. It's not allowed. No, the car is he aware that's not first? It's yeah. <laughs> yeah. got I a zero the on the end of the Yuki. I win the second half of the grid. <laughs> I won the point. No, no, no. You can win more than one point. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you going for, Sam? I don't know if anyone's noticed that we're a bit subdued today. Um, there's four of us here, including Kirsty, and three of us are rather hungover and tired, Beng being the only person who is in a normal state. Um, you can turn up to race reviews not hungover. Like, that no, is a thing you allowed. can do. No. No. I am knackered. Um, driver of the day. So I was, I, you know, <laughs> you give this a thought. <laughs> do it every every single podcast. Um, I was looking, I think about this, you know, on the last few laps before the race, I was thinking, who's really jumping out at me? Um, and there were literally, I think, three options. Verstappen, obviously. Sangoda was one of them. And I was really wanting to give it to Alex Albon as well. But then all of a sudden, we're getting on to this topic later. Williams just absolutely like screwed the pooch. What was going on there at the end with the strategy call? Uh, I'm actually going to give it to Fernando Alonso. 
Um, I don't think that Aston Martin was actually good enough to finish where it finished. I think he had a bit of a tricky Saturday, managed to bring it back well. Um, and I think he had a very solid race weekend for himself on that. You know, picked up a lot of points that they needed, highest finishing position for a little while. So Fernando is my driver of the day. And happy birthday for yesterday. He is a keen listener of the podcast, of course. Good friend of ours, so I'm sure he'll love to hear that. I would agree with the shout out to Yuki Sonoda. I think he had a very good race and a much needed very good race after Hungary wasn't brilliant. Daniel Ricciardo stealing a lot of headlines. I think he just, he put a few a few things to rest, didn't he, out there? Just delivering a really solid performance. Um, I would also give one additional shout out to Charles Leclerc because I think he pretty much maximised what he could do. So I, I think he's a, a contender too. I am going to give it to Max Verstappen. It is a boring choice, but... Also, Fair. we shouldn't become numb to his greatness. He he did perform excellently well and deserves all the plaudits that come with it. So I'm, I'm going to give it to him. So true. On the other side of things, Sam, who was your worst driver of the day? Um, I mean, Carlos Sykes did manage to absolutely destroy Oscar Piastri into turn one and then ruined his own car in the process. So, you know, that isn't great. Uh, yeah, I think I go Carlos Sykes. Don't lock up, crash someone out, destroy your own side pod, ruin your car, retire. Not a good way to run a race, I think. I think you might be on something. Harry, who was your worst driver of the day? Uh, two out of two. Carlos Sainz. What are you doing, mate? Pick pick a line. Stick to it. Don't just chop across the track again. It's turn one for crying out loud. Um, yeah, that was annoying to have both of them taken out by Carlos's. I don't know, indecision there. It's like me driving a car. <laughs> oh, not ideal. I, I had two names on my list. Lance Stroll is one of them because just didn't have much impact. I know he went for a similar strategy to the likes of Russell and Gasly, really sinking like a stone in that second stint though. So I didn't think he had a great race, but I am going to make it three out of three on Carlos Sainz. It was self-inflicted, his his retirement from the Grand Prix. And indeed, it wasn't the only retirement as a result of that. I do, I, I don't think sympathy is the right word. I understand why he did what he did. He locked up and his choice was, okay, I'm either definitely going into the back of Lewis Hamilton or potentially his teammate. I can't remember how that played out. He was going to go into the back of someone or just veer into the right-hand side and hope that someone isn't there. At least in that situation, you have got a hope that you might not make contact with someone. The other situation, he definitely is going to. So um, again, I don't have any sympathy because it was his own fault that he locked up, but I can understand why he tried to get out of it that way. Nonetheless, worst driver of the day. I, can't, I couldn't give it to Stroll mainly because... Um, He's given us perhaps the best commentator's curse moment of the season uh, in shootout yesterday when when Martin Brundle said, Lance has got a chance here and Lance immediately puts it in the wall. <laughs> no, it, it wasn't a commentator's curse. He just didn't finish the sentence. It was, he's got a chance here to hit the barrier and he was actually spot on. <laughs> he's nailed it. He's crushed it. Big brain strat. What have you got, Harry? Um... I mean, Ferrari were unusually quiet today, like executed a fairly normal race. It's quite, it's quite easy when, Scary. you know, one of your drivers is basically out at turn one. <laughs> That's fair, yeah. yeah. They only had to focus on Leclerc. <laughs> All their brains. All the science mechanics came over to Leclerc. <laughs> we will help you. <laughs> um, I'll go for, 
And I appreciate, um, again, as Sam mentioned, we'll talk about it later. I appreciate they had probably bad tyre wear, but the Williams three-stop strat, unusual one. No one else did that and looked a bit slow to do that. So um, mm. I guess their their uh, their justification was they'd end up where they ended up anyway, just by falling back. But um, yeah, not the greatest execution of a race, I'd say, especially when Alex Albon normally just doesn't like stopping. It was the opposite of that today. Yeah, maybe he's like just had it had to fill up his quota here at yeah. the one race yeah. so he can get do them all out of the way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's how it works now. You have to take a certain number of pit stops per season rather than per race <laughs> for half um, a season. <laughs> yeah, got to do yeah. more now. Exactly. I I went with similar to that. I I went with Kevin Magnussen and Haas. Um, so to be honest, I could just extend that Haas nomination to the entire weekend because they found new ways to mess up a weekend. But specifically talking about the race, I don't think he would have held on for points, but he was certainly in the fight in that first stint and they just left him out too long for a second stop. I think it was only maybe two laps, but after which he was behind about three cars that he was ahead of beforehand. I don't know what they were playing at. Um, they should have just left him out. They should have brought him in a couple laps prior to that. And he might have been in the fight around Yuki Sonoda, potentially. It would have been a stretch, but he would have done better than what he actually did. So I'll go with Haas, mainly just so I can bash them for the entire weekend, though. Sam? Uh, yeah, I mean, you pick the two that I kind of had in mind. So the other one that is, this maybe sounds a little bit harsh, but I love that Formula One is a world built on, you know, the highest level of technology and money and investment. But when it starts to rain, the ultimate strat is sticking your arm outside of the pit box and hoping oh, yeah. you might feel some water. And I love the camera shot as it panned to all of the race engineers just sat there with their sleeves rolled up and hand out the box. And thought, that is like us three seeing if it's raining outside, you know, not these big brain lovely people so yeah that's my big brain strat say i'm looking at the monitor telling you if it's raining or talking to your driver just stick your arm in the air and that's fair enough um we're going to take a short break we'll be discussing mclaren on the other side Quoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. 
For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. McLaren have had quite a good few races, which of course meant that, as we asked in the preview, could this be Piastri's first podium? Of course, it was going to end up the way that it did. Piastri ended up making, let's face it, one corner um, before having to pull off two thirds of the way through the opening lap. Lando Norris struggled far more than he's done in previous Grand Prix. That's his worst finish uh, in four Grand Prix down in seventh place. And that was about as that, that was the best it looked all day. There was certainly a possibility they were going to end up with zero points whatsoever. A lot was said and mentioned of their setup, obviously going for downforce in the middle sector. Sam, do you think that they will have any regrets on the way in which they decided to tackle this weekend? Um, I mean, yeah, I think so. I think let's break it into the two sides of the garage. Piastri seemed to have the beggar of it. You look at qualifying, you look at both episodes of the sprint, you know, Piastri almost out-qualifies Max Verstappen in the sprint shootout, which, considering, you know, he's only had this equipment for four races and it's his rookie season, incredible performance on a, we'll call it qualifying, because that's what it basically was, out-qualified Lando on the Friday, out-qualifies Lando again on the Saturday and nearly sticks it on pole, uh, which isn't actually pole, sorry for the confusion, folks. And then, of course, in the, the sprint race, does a great job, right? He, he takes the lead for a bit, there's a real actual moment there, and it looks like he could actually potentially win something. Um, of course, the Red Bull comes back and takes it. And then we get to the main race, and... We don't get to see how well Piastri's setup would work over a full race distance. Um, but he was phenomenal through that middle sector in the qualifying periods that we had. I think at one point he was 1.7 seconds faster than what Lewis Hamilton managed to go through that second sector, which is absolutely groundbreaking. Um, I do want to know why Carlos Sainz wasn't giving any form of penalty or it wasn't not aggressive, right? not even investigated as to why he literally took out a driver on turn one. But when Lewis Hamilton bumped into Perez in the spring, it was an immediate five second penalty and two penalty points on the license. This one feels worse to me. Um, uh, maybe that's a conversation for another day. Let us know what you think if you're listening. In terms of Lando Norris, of course, we did get the full race we uh, weekend. We got him seeing every session. And I believe he was running a bit more downforce than Piastri. And because of that, I think it was really negatively affecting him going down a lot of the key overtaking areas. Plus, Lando was just struggling with tyres. The um, the tyres that he started the race on, I believe it was the mediums. 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 Yeah. He tried all three. He did try all three. You know, give it a go. Doesn't work the first or second time. Um, and, he, you know, he's, he's been having a bit of a whinge recently as Lando. He's not been... If something's going wrong for him, he becomes immediately very vocal about it. And I'm not against that. I'm not against a driver, you know, piping up over the radio going, this isn't working for me. We've got to change something. But it just... I'm quite surprised he managed to recover back to P7 because it really looked like one McLaren out, the other McLaren was going to be sitting at the back of the grid and it was going to be back at Bahrain, basically, with their performance. The setup was so wrong. And I think McLaren, maybe, are a team that heavily relies on a lot of practice data. And of course, when you come to a racetrack, which is a sprint weekend, and we have such mixed weather conditions and you don't know how tyres are going to perform, they really seem to lack, lack a level of understanding that a lot of the other teams managed to bring to the race weekend. Um, they didn't seem to understand what compounds worked for them well. The fuel levels maybe weren't quite right there because maybe they're doing a lot of lift and co. And they just weren't able to maximize their car setups, unlike 
Leclerc and Sainz at Ferrari, for example, who are direct competition with them right now. Even the Aston Martins, you know, when they've been struggling, they, in the race, they seemed very competitive. They seemed to do very, very well. But McLaren didn't really seem to be able to gather up enough speed anywhere to maximise what they were doing. It felt very confused, very disorganised, and they've really let themselves down right at the peak when they were really gathering some serious momentum going into that summer break. I just hope it doesn't knock them too much for now we've got a month off without any races. It's a bad time to have a negative performance for both drivers. Harry, what were your thoughts on McLaren and and do you think that their gamble in terms of setup just hasn't paid off here? Uh, yeah, well, it hasn't paid off today, that's for sure. Um, it, yesterday, and obviously for the rest of the weekend when it was wet, they were... Piastri owned that middle sector mm. when, in the damp condition. Like, he was flying through there. It was ridiculous. Purple Piastri. Purple Piastri, as we're calling them Basically now. Barney now. Yeah. <laughs> Barney the Piastri. <laughs> Oscar the Dinosaur. Good. Oh no, someone um, presented that. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it, it was paying off obviously yesterday, uh, Saturday and, and Friday. Um, but that, yeah, they were obviously heavily banking on another wet day today. And even when the rain started to slightly fall, it wasn't a lot. Lando suddenly was flying. So... We, you know, if it, if it had been a proper wet race today, we'd have sat in here probably talked about them having a really good result because I think that car would have been perfect in a wet race. As it was, it was a dry one and they had a barn door on the back of their uh, car mm. instead of a rear wing. So it, it was a gamble. And that, I think the other thing as well is it's clearly that's how that car works. It works better with, it doesn't work well with skinny rear wings. I don't know what they're going to do in Monza, but that we'll find out when we get there I guess but um, a disappointing one I think Norris actually recovered fairly well considering I thought because he, he seemed like he was just like falling like a stone through the field I thought he was going to end up at the back so to salvage some points is pretty pretty solid result um, and yeah we obviously don't know what Piastri did but they I wouldn't like write them off now for the rest of the season I think they, they still have good pace in that car I just think it was circuit specific for them this weekend um and they salvaged some good stuff from the from the sprint race anyway so what's yeah, that next Zanvort Zanvort yeah. so you'd expect them to probably be good there Hungary um, and Silverstone both exhibit a lot of the same qualities as areas of Zanvort makes sense that they excel I think we discussed it didn't we in the in the preview that if they could get it right here their car is comfortable everywhere clearly not clearly they just don't enjoy a lot of straight yeah that's always been the case though it's McLaren's slowest balls in a straight line. <laughs> I'm I'm not convinced that it was circuit specific. I I actually think they just got the setup wrong, and I think they could have been competitive here if they went a different direction to what they actually ended up doing. I I kind of, on the one hand, commend and admire what McLaren did this weekend. On the other hand, I think it was a bit foolish. I'm, I'm kind of can't choose between the two because I feel like they showed up. And they went, right, there is a chance of rain. We are going to put all of our eggs in one basket in terms of the middle sector. We are going to do everything we can to be fast in wet conditions. And if it works, maybe we can take a win away from Red Bull and we're going to look like rock stars, as Gunter Steiner might say. And I feel like they they desperately pushed at that. And I, I kind of admire it that they went all out 
ultimately it didn't work because they didn't account for one of the sessions being dry. Um, and ultimately they just had absolutely no pace out there. And in one respect, maybe Piastri can be somewhat glad that he didn't have to do that entire race because he probably would have struggled in a similar vein to, to Lando Norris. Um, so yeah, I, I know obviously it seemed to work in the sprint race, obviously with the the wet conditions and Piastri's seven points for second place deserved a lot of respect. And I, on yesterday's review, I gave him a lot of respect for that performance, but ultimately you need to set up your car for Sunday because those seven points, that's fewer than you get if you finish sixth place, right? You get eight points for sixth place on a Sunday. So you, you need to predominantly focus on what's going to happen at a Grand Prix. Um, and they didn't. And yeah, I, I I think ultimately I agree with your point, Sam, that I think they were caught out by the lack of practice time. And I think if they had more, they might well have gone in a bit of a different direction. And I think both Norris and Piastri, if he made it um, past the first lap, I, I think they would have been better contenders than what they were. I don't know whether they would have had the full pace of, say, Mercedes or or Ferrari, maybe they still would have been a touch behind that, but I certainly think they would have been one step closer than than what they were. And to your point, Harry, as soon as we had even a little bit of rain today, Lando Norris was suddenly faster than Verstappen. Um, so I think they just, they gambled. They gambled, didn't pay off. I kind of respect it in all honesty. Sam, you brought up an interesting point about lack of practice time that happens on a sprint weekend that might well have negatively impacted McLaren and particularly Lando Norris. How do you, um, you know, putting the actual sprint race part of it to one side and just focusing on limited practice time, which way do you see it? Do you think it's good that some teams are punished for not getting it right? Or do you think it's a negative thing because a potential contender hasn't been able to get in the mix? As I see Formula One, it is not just about the driver. It is about talent of all fields, you know, building the car, understanding strategy, you know, working cohesively as a whole unit, as a team. As we've always mentioned, Formula One is the only sport in the world where you fight entirely individually as a sports person. And at the same time, you compete as a larger unit and work together to win two separate championships. It's very unique and it's incredibly exciting in that manner. And I think that to prevail, to be considered a championship material, to be considered the greatest of all time as a team, to be able to understand faster than everyone else what is needed, to understand what you're going through and what the all the elements that you're working through are quicker than everyone else is and get that right, both strategically, with your tyres, with the weather coming through, how the car needs to be set up. To do that in one session and nail that, I think it's more exciting personally. I think it is better for the sport. I think it's more interesting to watch. And I like that it means that other teams might start to come up and, and prevail over others because you know what? Their engineers can read the data better or they know what runs to go for. They can see something in the tire that works for them better. I've said this quite a lot on the podcast that I think three practice sessions that we have, which amounts to what? Three and a half, four hours of testing every single race weekend, which is a lot of running before we even get to qualifying, where you've already got historic data for a lot of these tracks as well, it's too much. And it, it, it removes a lot of variables. It removes a lot of risk. And I think that nailing it right at the, you know, the snap of a finger when you've got to make a call is what Formula One is all about. And if McLaren want to be title contenders, for me, 
they got to get it right the same way that everyone else is going to get it right. It's not like they're the only ones going around with one session of practice. Red Bull had to do it. Mercedes had to do it. Ferrari had to do it. Aston Martin had to do it. And they were the worst of the top five that were being fought out at the moment. They got it wrong. And I do think that I would rather see teams live and die by the sword and make calls and take risks rather than we go, oh yeah, three and a half hours of running's come along and it's all been dry or whatever and we know exactly how each tyre's going to run the exact lap and we know when to ex- execute this strategy and the race will run perfectly unless I think our engine blows up, which we can't help right now because these things happen. Um, for me, not as fun. I will always rather have one hour of practice. Don't care what the weather is either. You just got to crack on with it, learn your bit and hope that you call the right strategy in the race. Same question for you, Harry. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it, I agree with Sam. I think I'd I'd rather um, I'd rather they 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 do this and stick by it rather than I don't know. I don't know what the alternative is, but but it was good to see that McLaren are gonna gonna be bold with it because as I say, they'd have been they'd have been uh, rock stars, as you say, if it had gone if it had gone well. Um, but sadly, it didn't. And I think if you looked at the weather forecast out of the weekend. Um, You'd have you'd have said it's a pretty strong chance of an entirely wet weekend. So but it was worth a punt for sure. I think overall I I agree with you as well, Sam. I, I yes, it would be good to have an extra contender up in that fight, but ultimately if you can't get it right in practice, you have to deal with those consequences, which is potentially what's happened here with McLaren. And um, I am absolutely for less practice time. I, I think three sessions at the moment, to your point, Sam, is like three and a half hours worth. Um, it's, it's, there's too many, um, as Sam might <laughs> there's say. There's too many. Um, yeah, I, I'm in complete agreement with that. So, um, yeah, I um, over, overall, I think McLaren should be back to form, as you mentioned, at Zandvoort. And I actually think even at the likes of Monza, they might be okay, even though it's another high-speed circuit. Um, I just think they got it wrong on this weekend specifically. But ultimately, it's good that these teams can can get it wrong. It was good to start a Grand Prix when no one really had an idea on what the right tyres were what the fuel levels were like. That was a question that was said quite a bit in terms of Aston Martin. Was a one-stop right? Was a two-stop right? To confirm Williams, a three-stop wasn't right. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, there were a lot, a lot of unknowns, which is what we want in a, in a Grand Prix race. I said this just before we started. I actually didn't want a wet, a wet race because I was quite excited by the prospect of what we didn't know what's going to happen in a dry race, so... I reckon that sprinkling of uh, wet rain, wet rain, folks of dry rain, the wet rain that we got. Yeah, we're going with that. Oh. It's wet rain now. Okay, that's good. No one laugh at me. That's what it is. Cheers, now. Sam. We're, <laughs> the sprinkling that we got, I think we had literally maybe another 5% of that where the track became a little bit greasy, a little bit scary, which is, it was almost there, but never got to the point where inches with a faster tyre were made for the absolute perfect level of water on the track but Harry I think you're right I think the dry race this weekend after what we've had was by far the more exciting premise because we've seen with wet weather it gets called off it gets red flags they for some reason can't ever use the wet tyres anymore and actually be competitive um, we may as well just put roof, roofs over every racetrack these days so they don't get wet because for some reason they can't drive in water anymore Speaking of which Formula E is about to start and they're racing in London this weekend in the XL Centre but not all inside and it's it's absolutely well, Sam. You're in London right now. It's hoofing it down. But I'm just going to look out my window. Dry. Quite wet. 
<laughs> it's obviously wet outside and then dry inside. So they could do that, F1. Just put everything in the XL centre. <laughs> the XL centre's not that big. Like, it's big, but it's not that big. And not work. We- do we really come to a conclusion on this segment that F1 should take place in the XL Center? Like, is that our <laughs> defining point? Yes. You're welcome. Time for a break, right. I reckon. I think you're right. Time to get your sandwiches because after this break, we will be discussing something that is as rare as a solar eclipse, a Ferrari on the podium. What are you going to have in your sandwich, boys? What filling? BLT, mate. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay, welcome back. Ferrari managed to find their way to the podium after none in the last couple of Grand Prix. Um, Charles Leclerc managed to get himself to P3 behind the two Red Bull drivers, holding off Lewis Hamilton. There was a couple second gap between those two pretty much throughout the whole Grand Prix, but it didn't seem as if he was ever under too much threat. I mean, we, we are not even like mentioning the fact that he started from pole. It was just such an inevitability that he wasn't going to keep that. Um, but Sam, what did you make of Ferrari's performance out there, at least on Leclerc's side of the garage? Yeah, let's remove science from the equation. He kind of set it on fire and put it in a big all by himself. But, you know, you mention it, Charles Leclerc got pole position. That's now two races in a row where Max Verstappen hasn't got pole position, which is as once again showing that the qualifying segment of the race weekend is thrilling and fun. Sure. Yeah. You know, wink, wink. (laughs) Eight eight attempts. Yeah. yeah. I'm I'm choosing to ignore the the almost second gap that went on um, because that was disgusting. Um, Nonetheless, nonetheless, I think Charles Leclerc drove as good a race as he could. His real competition in Perez and Verstappen, if Perez was up to actual speed where he delivered a good Grand Prix, which he did. No slight on Perez, really. It was it was fine. It was good. Um, you know, despite losing to 20 seconds to your teammate, Leclerc was never in real competition to the Red Bull. Lewis Hamilton, the McLarens, and his teammate, Carlos Sainz, arguably were the guys that he had to keep at bay. And... He did it without any real issue. Even when Lewis Hamilton was on a bit of a flyer and he looked like he was starting to gain in, the gap never dropped under kind of a couple of seconds, really. Even towards those final sessions where you had uh, Pete Bonington on the radio saying to Lewis Hamilton, don't let the gap drop under two and a half. Don't let it under two and a half. You need to attack at the end. The gap just goes up at that point, really. It kind of got to about 2.2 and then three and a half seconds. And then it comes back to two and a half and it goes back up to three. 
Leclerc was managing fantastically well. He was calm. His strategy was well executed from Ferrari, which I know is one of the rarest things you'll ever hear said on a podcast, but it was. Um, they got everything right. No speeding in the pit lane as well. Pat yourselves on the back, boys. Honestly, I don't know what more they could have done. They earned that podium. They deserved that podium. It was good to see them have a successful weekend for 50% of the garage. What were your thoughts on Leclerc's performance, Harry? Very good. Thanks, Leclerc. Um, it, it was it was a classic Chuckles performance, I'd say. Um, didn't really put a foot wrong. A bit of a shame he couldn't lead at least a lap, but that Red Bull was just a rocket ship on a, in a straight line, wasn't it? So did everything he could. Um, and as you say, Hamilton couldn't make any inroads into that podium podium position um despite various attempts to to try and you know undercut etc but it just didn't happen so yeah i was very impressed with leclerc um it's just a shame that he's so far off the red bull but then everyone is so far off the red bull so given the car he has i think he did everything everything he could this weekend did you predict this correct harry did you get your one two three right got my top three right yeah for once does that happen? You got everything right, didn't you? You got sprint pole, actual pole, if you remove the penalty option that happened. Yeah. And, you know, you got everything right apart from your bowl prediction that actually gets you a point. Yeah. Also, correct me if I'm wrong on this. I thought you are awarded pole position and then your penalty is applied afterwards. So, like, Verstappen got pole position. Right? Uh, yeah. Sure. Because, because when they're starting they... on pole, that's what we're saying. Based, but you get pole position, you win pole position but you start at the front of the grid Leclerc start at the front but he didn't get pole how does it work who gets the pole oh. who gets Kibitza <laughs> who keeps him till next race <laughs> James Vowles <laughs> <laughs> he'll give him a good home yeah so anyway. in summary very good um, I think you said there Harry yep him and Verstappen both under that that same title this weekend can't argue with that. This was exactly what Ferrari needed in the absence of a win, but, you know, that was never really going to happen. So I, th- I think this weekend I really was their ideal in that they just needed a solid weekend where nothing really went wrong, at least for Leclerc. I'm not going to talk about signs for the moment, but from Leclerc's side of the garage, it was perfect in that we didn't really hear anything from him all race, which is a good thing because generally speaking... In fact, not just generally speaking, pretty much every time in a Grand Prix, the less you hear of Ferrari, the better they're doing. If you're hearing team radio constantly for Ferrari, it probably means they're P8 and P9 and struggling on strategy. When you don't hear anything from them, it probably means they had a weekend like they did here, where Leclerc was P3 after, you know, after Verstappen overtook him and then never lost it from there. Um, I don't think he could have done anything about that first lap in all honesty. I think Perez um, Perez perfected the first lap. I, he just needed to be behind Leclerc going into Eau Rouge and Radion and the momentum would see him through from there. He did that. Fair play to him. But Leclerc, you know, he he wasn't really ever under threat from Lewis Hamilton. So uh, respect to him. I, I think... It will be intriguing pace-wise what will happen with Ferrari and Mercedes from this point onwards because they did seem very evenly matched here. Of course, Mercedes have the advantage at the moment in terms of points. Sam, do you think that Ferrari and Mercedes might well end up being the battle for P2? 
Yeah, I mean, this is what I say when we had that conversation about whether McLaren could catch up. I do think that the unfairly calling them the copycat teams who are, you know, trying to literally imitate the Red Bull design and will always be behind in that design circle are going to be the ones that struggle across the entire season to maintain momentum and picking up, you know, second and third if Perez isn't in the loop or third and fourth every single race. But those who are the innovators, um, the Mercedes and the Ferrari of this conversation, will come up with new ideas first. They'll develop new ideas before the likes of McLaren, Aston Martin, which tend to give them the boost. It allows them to have the longevity of car performance. And I do arguably think that both Ferrari and Mercedes driver pairings are currently stronger than Aston Martin and McLaren's driver pairings. So if the cars were all solidly equal, I do think over an average season, Mercedes and Ferrari would be able to pull out a higher average result than the other two teams. So I think long-term, Aston Martin are going to slowly slip away. And I, I, I think it came out, didn't it, at the start of the weekend that Aston put on an upgrade that actually had negatively uh, impacted their speed and they're trying to work out what's gone wrong with that upgrade. And I'm sure over the summer break, they might understand that and we could come back maybe with a vengeance. So who knows? Maybe I'll be very wrong. But I do think if you're a betting man, which I definitely am not, if you've noticed all my predictions are very wrong, that... Good thing. Yeah, great. So don't listen to me. That Ferrari and Mercedes are by far the two likelier teams to pick up more and more points as we go on throughout the season and their development comes to a more easier and understood direction. They will be the ones that pick up, you know, the third places if it's Red Bull 1-2s going on, the third and fourth, the, the fourth and fifths, whatever it might be. And it will be McLaren or Aston Martin who are the ones going eighth and ninth or whatever because they don't necessarily understand the dynamics of their own car when coming to each different track. Harry, did you have any thoughts on George Russell today in his uh, his P6? Obviously, he had a couple of positions that he lost at the start, so he was playing catch up a little bit. Do you think he he probably maximised his race from there, or what are your what are your thoughts on him? Yeah, pretty much. I think I think he had a similar issue as McLaren in that I think his setup wasn't quite right this weekend. Um, so he went for the slightly higher downforce versus Hamilton did uh, the, the, the what Hamilton did. Um, yeah, P6 probably probably put it, could have had Alonso um, or should have had Alonso, but around that area, I think was probably the the most achievable achievable target for him. Um, not a huge amount of Russell radio this weekend. He's a bit quiet as well. I don't think I heard a single bit. I well, the, the only thing was in the sprint before the sprint yesterday when he was talking to, to Toto. I, and, that yeah. was very funny. I'm under a tank, mate. I'm yeah. fine. Um. At what point do we have a proper chat about Russell? It's not going too well for him at the moment, is it? Bit down I on think form. that sounds like a good topic for the summer break where we could really use help getting content together. Stay tuned, folks. We'll be discussing Russell's bag form. <laughs> um, at least specifically on today's result, I think based on where he was after the start, he probably got back to where he should have done. I don't, I don't personally think Alonso was achievable after the start. I think overall, in terms of pace, Russell probably should have had him. But I think his um, below par qualifying plus that poor start both added together just to make sure that P6 was all he could get. I think he did a very good job in terms of tyre management. Um, certainly doing the one stop was the right decision and he could well have bailed out from that in that first stint because everyone around him was deciding to pit and there were a few... Yeah, if, if the rain had come down um, that 
was being spoken about, it would have left George Russell in a very, very poor position because he was right at the back when that discussion was going on. But ultimately, the medium to soft switch was was right for him. Um, I agree, Sam, that I think it is worth a debate in terms of his actual season-wide form. Um, and I think he'll be disappointed not to claim more than eight points here because obviously... His teammate claimed 13. Um, but yeah, I think based on the start, he probably got back to where he should have done. Any closing thoughts on Russell, Sam, on this race specifically? No, I'll save them entirely for our Russell debate on his poor form coming in the summer break near you. That sounds like Sam's made his mind up on his form. <laughs> it's poor. He's going to want to kick him out. <laughs> Can't wait for another sweeping statement from Sam. Yeah. Coming up after the break, Esteban Gutierrez or George Russell? Who should get the contract <laughs> next season? Um, no, we are going to talk one more thing before we get to our next break, which is Williams. So as Harry predicted, they did quite well. It, of course, led to their worst weekend in quite a long time, scoring zero points with Alex Albin finishing 14th place and Logan Sargent finishing 17th place. Sam, given that we make jokes at Harry, but expectations generally were higher for Williams at this weekend versus other races so far this year. Do you think this was a missed opportunity? Yeah, I really do. And I know that, you know, we, we talk about bold predictions and that's why Harry put the Williams in fifth as a bold prediction. It was fair. But I do think that, you know, the Albon pace especially, maybe not fifth, but I don't think far off of it at certain points at that Grand Prix. He was comfortably cruising around with Yuki Tsunoda. And I do think that, with Albon's racecraft and understanding and how he's been driving that car recently, on a different day, could have gone on to beat the likes of Yuki Tsunoda and maybe been up there with the likes of Ocon, who were fighting for kind of the eighth place region. I think that was perfectly plausible for the Williams team. Same with Logan Sargent. I really do think that maybe got points, but 11th, 12th, could have quite comfortably on the cards for him. The car, as much as it wasn't fantastic, they, Williams have done again here what they've done so well recently. That is utilized the certain aspects of their car that are strengths. They've really tuned the strengths. And we saw it here last year. Straight line speed is a phenomenal asset that Williams hold and they used it to their strength again. And I think they did a great job at not losing too much in that middle sector. You can see that they were slower. For example, the way that, you know, the Alpines really caught up to them in that middle sector in that battle that Ocon had, not sorry, Ocon, that um, Albon had with Gasly. Uh, was a really fun battle, but the difference in speed between the Alpine and the Williams there was so clear in that middle sector. But I do think points were on the cards, and that three-stop was just a real kicker. It was such a poor call from from Williams. I don't know who made it on the team. I don't know if it came directly from you know James Vowles himself or if it was a strategy call from the engineers because both cars went down the same route, which tells me that it was a more team-wide discussion, and they thought that was going to be the fastest overall route. But it took them from being a real points contender team to being back of the grid stuff. They were one of the worst performing teams overall once the finish line was crossed. And I think they've lost out here. I don't think they'll kick themselves too much. It's only a couple of points, but that really could be the difference coming into the season between maybe a seventh place and an eighth place or even a ninth place with other teams starting to regain some form. For example, Yuki Tsunoda finishes in the points and completely outdoes Daniel Ricciardo, who has looked good for the most part. So... Williams not maximise anything. They've let themselves down. Bit of a disappointment. And I think they'll be hoping for more. <laughs> You've let clear. yourself down. You've, you've let, let us down. down. <laughs> <laughs> Sound like you've just finished fourth on Come Dine With Me. Um, <laughs> I would. I probably would finish fourth on Come Dine With Me as well. What a sad little life, Williams. <laughs> 
Stone Fowls is just crying in the corner. Hang on a minute. You know how we're thinking of content ideas across the summer break? Late breaking, dine with me. Let me just write that down. Yeah, that's another rip-off uh, show that we've done. of us if... We'll include Kirsty. That makes four of us. So, yeah. you know. Maybe we'll get a uh, guest as a happen. fifth member. Dave Benson Phillips. He's in. Stuff. <laughs> um, segue, of course, into Williams. Harry, what did you make of their performance? Yeah, it was a, it was a disappointing one for Williams. I, I think I'd have been really interested to see what would have happened had it had been a dry weekend because they were struggling in the wet um, with their... with their lack of downforce, I guess, but they obviously set up for a, for a straight line, uh, a speedy setup. Um, and that didn't help them in the rain. So qualifying obviously went pretty badly for them on Friday, qualifying for the race, that is. Um, so that, and it sort of just, that compounded it from there because at the start of the race, Albon was making moves and I was like, here we go. The top five is coming. Um, <laughs> obviously didn't, but they 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 were rapid, but they they all weekend seemed to have had an issue with with tire wear. It was the same in qualifying. I think they were chewing up their intermediates, um, and obviously today they you just watched the car. It was it was sliding a lot. Um, I know Album was hustling it, but he yeah he seemed to be struggling with with his tire wear. So I'm assuming that's why they did that third stop. And I I still don't think it well it clearly wasn't the right call, but I think that's why they had to do it. So yeah, there'll be. They'll be disappointed with this one. I think they definitely would have expected more, given where they've been. You know, Albon was was he eleventh in Hungary, so in almost a almost a point in Hungary of all places for them. So they're going to have to try and get on top of that, especially if because Monza represents one of their best opportunities for a big point score, or perhaps the best opportunity one, for a big yeah one two uh, of the year. So, but they they this can be no good if their tires keep chewing themselves up. Um, they can be as fast as they want, but you know, and an odd one because, as I said earlier, Albon has been pretty good on his tyres this year. So it's a strange race all round for for Williams, but yeah, they'll be, be hoping to bounce back for 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 Monza. Well, we're not at Monza next, are we? It was Anvil? Yeah, Anvolt? I don't think they'll bother turning up there. Nah, give that one a miss, mate. Take but, the yeah, L. For, focus on focus on Monza, Williams. I I was frustrated that they couldn't get more from this Grand Prix because, as, as you mentioned, going into it, it looked like something might be achievable. P11 at Hungary was certainly a very encouraging result. I think, ultimately, they tried to pull off a very similar strategy to what they had in Hungary, but to not to the same effect, in that I think at Hungary, they had the straight-line speed to hold off any other team down the main straight, which is pretty much the only straight that actually exists at the circuit. Whereas here, even though they had an advantage in a straight line, I don't think it was still a match for a car behind who had slipstream and DRS. DRS was very, very powerful out there today, particularly down the Kemmel straight. I mean, we had that evidence with Verstappen's overtake where he's practically overtaking Sergio Perez coming out of Eau Rouge. He's not even anywhere near Lacon when he's making that overtake happen. And I think what has happened here is just Williams have been caught by those other teams on the straight because the slipstream and the DRS is more powerful than the way in which they set up their car. And that saw them drop positions. And, and that's generally how they played it. They, they pit early and then held it out for as long as they could until the other cars caught up and, and made overtakes happen. So um, disappointing. 
I, I would agree with the word disappointing on that weekend. I think they messed up. Um, they actually messed up Logan Sargent's first pit stop, I think. Or uh, Essentially, they had messed to wait right a lap. Up. They messed him right up. Um, yeah, Alex Albon made his stop and Logan Sargent came in the lap afterwards. And I think Logan Sargent was well in the battle for like P12, P13 at the time. But because he had to wait that extra lap to stop, he was behind, I think they even came out behind Carlos Sainz and was stuck behind him for a few laps. So um, I, I think Logan Sargent was pretty unlucky in that respect. But certainly with Alex Albon and the three-stop, I think ultimately when they'd been overtaken by, must have been the Alpine drivers at the time, I think they had two options. Either they hold on until the end of the race, and at which point they were like P11, P12. So you're kind of hoping that either A, there are retirements in front of you, or B, the cars like Russell and Stroll have to make another pit stop, in which case you might be able to finish in front of them. So that was their one option that they didn't take. The other option is what they did do, which was pit and then hope that, again, the likes of Russell and Stroll need to box, at which point you've undercut them and then you can finish ahead of them that way. I can understand why they went for the second one. I think they were damned if they did or damned if they didn't, to be honest. And I think as soon as they had lost the top 10 position, they were never going to get it back, regardless of whether they stopped or not. So, um, yeah, Zanvoort, I don't know, P1, P2. Yeah. Zand abort. Oh, nice God, it's good, isn't it? It's good. Uh, it's summoned. Um, I'm going to have to recover from that one. <laughs> we'll take a short break. Moment of the race submissions right after this. Yay! And it's live. Oh, yeah. We started doing that now. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, moment of the race. As we do for all race reviews this season, we are asking you, the people, what was your moment of the race? We're doing this via Discord. So if you want to get involved um, in the second half of the season when these come back, make sure you're in the Discord. The link is in the description if you're not already a part of it. Linky in the description. <laughs> and in the submissions channel, that's where we ask for them straight after a Grand Prix. You need to be quite quick because we record straight away. We love we getting are. this out. We are speedy. We are speedy. We are fast. Um, Very fast. 
gotta go fast. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> moment of the race submissions, we'll each give our own and then we'll hand over to Discord, see if they agree with us or go in a different direction. Harry, what was your moment of the race? Um, a couple. I will go, well, firstly, honourable mention to Belgian John for the start of the national <laughs> anthem, uh, as he is now known. Classic, the pretty best anthem of the year. Um, Those sunglasses. Ocon's move on Sonoda around the outside of they come, pretty filthy. Enjoyed that Tasty. one a lot. But I'm just going to go with generally over the weekend, but again today, Sassy GP. We've already mentioned mm. it. He was taking no prisoners with uh, Max Verstappen and he's quite quite frankly, he's fed up with him. He's like looking after a child, <laughs> like <laughs> a really annoying child. Um, it really made me laugh all, all weekend, but again today. So just it's quite a general one or generic one, but uh, sassy GP. Do you think as soon as Max Verstappen has won the driver's championship, he's just going to be like, right, someone else can do it for the rest of the year. I'll come back next March. I'm out. I'm not doing this <laughs> yeah. anymore. I'm sick of this guy. Or, or honorable mention as well to Max Verstappen saying it's windy and he has to hold on to the steering wheel really tight. What's that about? Uh, I'm screaming. Or something. <laughs> Sam, what was your moment of the race? Um, funny enough, I'm going to give an honorable mention to GP because that moment in, it wasn't in the race, but in qualifying where Max is screaming like a petulant child about <laughs> not getting through and GP is going, Look, I can put you out on that track where it's getting two seconds a lap faster without any battery. I think that had gone down. It's almost like sunshine. We think of that sun. And Max is just like, I yeah, don't care. All right, Let then. me know yeah, your like, run plans. Yeah, go yeah, on. Like, give me something back, Max. Come on, speak up. Um, I need have nothing <laughs> to come back with at all. Um, and I just think fair play. You, you, like, you're standing up to one of the biggest personalities in the sport and you're making it heard and you're doing a good job. So yeah, he deserves a lot of praise actually this weekend because he's an integral part of that team. I, I am going to give it to the Ocon move because I think that was genuinely saucy, saucy, saucy. It was filthy. I loved it. I kind of, You know, an overtake is good when you winks a little bit that something might go wrong and then it doesn't go wrong and you kind of go, that was... That was scary, but cool. And anything that's good is scary, but cool. So yeah, I think that move, moment of the race. Before I get to my moment of the race, I'm going off book because I have a worst moment of the race. Oh, oh no. this isn't how it works. No, but this needs mentioning. This is a very UK Sky Sports oh, specific no, worst moment of the race. No more last lap anything. No, please. La last lap Hamilton, last gas Gasly, last lap Lando, no more. <laughs> Stop. God. Also, last lap Hamilton, Lewis is right there. Yeah. Last lap Lewis. <laughs> what are you doing? The amount of times I hurled abuse at the TV on this race in particular. God. When uh, Gasly got the move done, uh, Crofty decided to speak French for a bit. I was just like, shut up! Just do <laughs> your job! Honourable shout out to Crofty as well. Will on lap four, Hamilton is sticking, you know, within a couple of seconds of Leclerc. Lap four of the race, and he goes, well, it looks like the Mercedes has got good race pace. We've done four laps, Crofty! <laughs> <laughs> I, I had to get that off my chest because I was just, I was, I was fuming. Fuming! Right, my actual moment of the race. I had two overtaking manoeuvres. Well, 
Truth be told, I had three overtaking manoeuvres written down. You've already covered three. off one of them. Three. <laughs> <laughs> you already covered off the Ocon one. Um, the other two overtakes that I thought were great. Number one, Alex Albon pulled off a double overtake down the yeah. straight. Yeah. No reaction to it. I was <laughs> Again, I'm sorry, this isn't supposed to be a David Croft bash- bashing session in any way, but what? he likes to make the most out of m- nearly every overtake that happens. Here... Alex Albon pulled off a double overtake. He's like, oh, look, the Williams is up to P7. It's like, he just I, pulled I off. I genuinely what... don't think he realised. I genuinely don't think yeah, he noticed. Yeah. He pulled off what Hakkinen did like 20 years ago. And it's just like, oh, cool. So that was one of them. And then the other overtake, Lando Norris around the outside of... Sergeant. Sergeant. Oh, um, yeah, lovely. Also really that, was, that was beautiful. So yeah. I'll go with that one. A lot of sauce. A lot of lace sauce at uh, Spa today. Nice. Very nice. Indeed. I am I am so on it. What did you make nice. of the moves into uh, Stablo? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, good, mate. Good Loved it. Okay, let's hear what our Discord submitters have to say. Go on, Harry. Here we go. We're not on the uh, the the expensive soundboard today. We're on the old cheap one. So if this goes wrong, apologies. It's not gonna work. I'm not touching it, so it's fine. Here we go. First up is... Darth Farch noise. <laughs> <laughs> Moment of the race for me was when Verstappen was already celebrating out of his car while the points finishes were still crossing the finishing line. I mean, what a metaphor to this year's championship. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fair. Fair. The way that they pull yeah. into the pit lane at the end of Spa is crazy, isn't it? They're just like, so long, don't do the lap again, just turn right. Yeah, I like that they still do that. <laughs> They've done that forever, but it's just a weird yeah, thing to good. do, isn't it? Yeah, just it catches me off guard every time yeah. when there's a yellow flag in sector yeah. one, and I'm like, oh, oh no! Um, oh, how no. is he there already? You just crossed the line. How has he already got back to that point? Yeah. Um, right. Next up, Azza. Right, boys. Moment of the race for me is just something that I like. It's just our dominant Verstappen's been. The geezers won the race. He's got to part firmer. He's got out of his car. He's got a pint in one hand, a cigarette in the other. <laughs> Meanwhile, Hamilton's only just crossed the finish line for the fastest lap, and the rest of them are coming round sector two. If that ain't dominant, I don't know what is. Great moment. Cheers, boys. Primetime James Hunt is apparently in that Red Bull. Don't, don't remember him smoking, but... No. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Cheers for highlighting that, Azza. Um, next up, Norm from Texas. Oh, hello, my late-breaking friends from across lay Big Wet. Guess what time it is. It's time for Norm from Texas's moment of the race. And it's going to be the lover spat between Max Verstappen and his race engineer, GP. Juicy, juicy drama. Anyway, keep breaking late, guys. Oh, I didn't know what that was going to be. That's really made me laugh. Next up, Kitty Ninja. My moment of the race has to be the overtake um, that Esteban had. I mean, that was just crazy. I mean, just so in there, and he just went for it. Uh, easily best overtake of the race. Mm, scary, but really cool. <laughs> Much like this podcast. <laughs> scary, but cool. Uh, uh, Madalena. 
Hi guys, uh, this is Madalena. It's my fourth submission, I believe. Yes. And uh, Max Verstappen bickering over the radio uh, was for me, as I think it was for many people, the highlight of this race. Bye. Love that. Keep numbering those submissions. Please do. Um, all good always. Highlight breaking. Wow, that was overtake city. So many overtakes, so many dramatic moments, um, so many moments of the race for me. But I think two of them, one of them has got to be um, GP and Max's conversations over the radio. I mean, GP told Max at one point to use his head a little bit and then straight up told him no when uh, Max offered some pit stop strategy. And the other one has got to be Crofty's comment when Max crossed the finish line and said that you need a telescope to see where Perez was. Love you guys. Love the podcast. Bye. Oof. Love the positivity always. Uh, next up is the most well-traveled father-son duo in history. It's yes. Real Dad and James live They're from back. the beach in Croatia. So here we go. Last week they were at the Hungarian GP. Now they're in Croatia. What a, what a life. This is Real Dad and James live and direct from the beach in Croatia with our moment of the race. Our moment of the race is Piastri being out on lap one. I mean, he was a hero yesterday. He was P2 in the sprint, but it's just completely gone to zero. I'm just bad race for McLaren. Really sad. Over and out from Croatia. Food is much better here. Love the podcast, guys. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> Thank God. Oh, I'm so happy they're eating good tonight. <laughs> uh, okay. Next up is Rogo. I mean, is it Rogo or Rogo? Well, whatever. Hey guys, my moment of the race for this week has to be when Daniel Ricciardo overtook his teammate Lando Norris. And oh, wait, what? What do you mean, Lando's not his teammate? You got kicked out of McLaren. Well, who's his teammate? Yuki, you, Yuki's in sixth. Well, where's Daniel? Fifteenth. Gosh, he's crap. <laughs> Thanks, guys. The crap man strikes the, again. The crap kid yeah. is back. Rogo's going to say crap in every submission, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, right, Rye guy. Not having you for a while, Rye guy. There we go. Hey guys, it's Guy coming to you from Rye Guy's closet. Yes, I'm alive. I'm well. Um, still searching for a tattoo artist for the LB tattoo, but uh, I'll have, hopefully after the summer break, I'll have some updates or through the summer break. So saving for weddings is expensive. Anyways, uh, so yeah, my moment of the race is Max Verstappen lifting an Eau Rouge. How dare he? I know it was raining, so there it is. But uh, love you guys. Keep on keeping on and enjoy the Patreon. It's worth it. Love you. Bye. That's cannot right, wait for our wedding invites to come through the mail. Yeah, they better. Uh, that's a, that's your lot, folks. Well, thanks, Harry. Appreciate that, mate. Um, oh, that's pretty pretty bad. It now, isn't it? Sam, <laughs> do you want to get us uh, yeah, out of here? Yeah, yeah. Go, go to sleep until the summer break is over. Um, we'll see you at two the episodes port. a week for the next few weeks. Though we're not yeah. stopping. We have committed to that, and we will deliver. We are here. We, we are inevitable as a podcast. Uh, we're going to be here every single Wednesday, every single Sunday. And there will also be two Patreon episodes, of course, over the summer break month and a beer with breaking. So if you want to get those extra episodes in, that extra content, the link is in the description. You can join. There's many tiers. Check them out. We appreciate your support. Everyone that's on there already, we love you dearly. You're so wonderful. Um, we've also got Discord, as has already been mentioned. It's down there. Join it. Over 2,000 members in there chatting all things F1 and whatnot. It's great. 
We've also got social media, late breaking F1. It's on Twitter. It's on Instagram. And if you're down with the kids, it's on TikTok. You know, we're making all sorts of, well, we're not. Kersky's making all sorts of videos and we look all right on them. Um, yeah, big yeah. Appreci- uh, <laughs> thank you for that, bangers. Um, I think that's everything for now. YouTube's available if you want to watch our faces, I guess. And <laughs> YouTube's available. <laughs> I love that. In your region. Um, <laughs> love you all. See you in the Wednesday where it'll have been Beg's birthday. So we'll be enjoying talking about that as well. In the meantime, I've been Samuel Sage. I've been Ben Hocking. And I've been Belgian John. <laughs> it's like a robot! What has happened? You're so slow! Let's, let's try again. Sam, Sam, go on. <laughs> I've been Samuel Sage. I've been Ben Hocking. And I've been Belgian John. It's <laughs> <laughs> so horribly loud! <laughs> Remember, keep breaking late. Oh, oh no. God, the show. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.